Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Folks, I am beyond thoroughly entertained as I come to you today (laughs) to talk with you about good old Kamala Harris. Remember, Kamala Harris, this is, she is, well, we've officially found out she is she, she, her, or whatever they say, which we want to talk about here today, but Vice President of the United States. This is the person that many believe should be our next president. Which, look, I mean, given the choice of Biden and Kamala, I mean, what would you pick? I really mean that. If those were the only two options on planet Earth, what would you, <laughs> what would you pick when it came to that? I, that's, that's like a brain teaser. Anyway. Welcome to the program. I am your beloved host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can send your thoughts, your questions, your feedback, and yes, always, always include that adoration and praise. Some of you have gotten quite good at this, um, so I have to commend you for that. Again, you can send those to that email address. So let's start here with, with Kamala Harris. She's at this... Um, meeting. Well, first of all, I got to tell you, I have to tell you, it is, I'm looking here at an article from the post-millennial. Kamala Harris is at a, I'm going to try to get this right here. So here, here it is. She's at an event sitting, um, is this in the White House? Is this in the vice president's office? She's at a big table. Big, long table. They've got representatives on both sides. It says here in this post-millennial article that I'm looking at, she was uh, meeting with disability leaders on reproductive rights, which I have to even pause and ask myself, what in the world does that mean? Disability leaders on reproductive rights. Meeting with disability leaders on Reproduct. I have to tell you, I, I get the disability leaders part. First of all, we have to the way we categorize everything um, and break people into groups of this country. Um, which look, I get that there's there's certain certain issues that pertain more to certain groups, and I'm okay with that. But it's just that's how we identify everything. But on reproductive rights, so of course that means undoubtedly the right to have an abortion, right? I mean, that's what that has come to mean in today's society. So she's at this meeting, and of course they have their masks on, which, pause really quickly there, I saw the city of Beverly Hills, city of Beverly Hills, which is in Los Angeles County, has come out, they had a unanimous vote, city council in Beverly Hills had a unanimous vote to where they said if our county, which is Los Angeles County, if they pass 
a what appears to be an impending mask ordinance again. If they're going to force masks in our county, we are not participating. That is what they said. They basically said they're going to ignore it, which I to which I say kudos. Kudos to the folks in Beverly Hills for standing up uh, to this, again, massive bureaucratic government overreach. We are well past the phase, my friends. Two plus years into this, we know, I don't care what, well, in fact, even if you listen to what Fauci says, Fauci will say masks, we know masks work, is what he says. He says masks, but he says a K95 or a KN95 or whatever the the actual, it's a K95 or N95, N95, but there's a KN95 too, I think. Oz doesn't know either, but I think there's two types, but it's, those are a a higher level of mask. Basically, those aren't, um, you know, pieces of of old t-shirts or bandanas or cloth masks, Um, but he says those masks work. Now, we know from other studies, multiple studies, that Places and schools, states that mandated masks and those that didn't, there was no statistical difference. This has come down in multiple studies. We've talked about it on this program. No statistical difference in the rate of infection between mask-wearing schools in one study, mask-wearing states in another study. But doesn't matter. The leftists have realized that people are eagerly, at least some of the people, I don't know what the percent is. A certain percentage of the people are eagerly looking to their government to tell them what to do yet again to prevent, you know, something um, like like a COVID infection that that kills someone. They want they, they look to the government. It doesn't matter the track record of the government. They look to these these folks for the answers. In fact, we've got one. Was it the um, some high ranking official who's responsible for making those decisions or that's a part of making those decisions in Los Angeles County was caught at the, on video at the, I think it was the all-star baseball game. She's without a mask. A couple days later, she's out there saying we've reached the point where, you know, we we need to, to bring back masks. And she's at a, you know, a full stadium without a mask, but yet when it's time to go back, basically, the next, in the blink of an eye, she's out there saying it's time for masks to happen again. Anyway, as Kamala and the folks here are, you know, squaring up for this little, what do you want to call this, photo op or whatever, um, they're all sitting here with their masks on. Again, If you, look, if you want to wear your mask, that, that is not what any of this is about to me. What, I'm a, what my problem is, is the insistence that the government has that, A, things that are not true are accurate or that have any effect whatsoever on public health are being forced on people in pretty dramatic ways up to and including vaccinations or the jab or whatever you want to call it. Anyhow, government, government has a role. And I said this at the beginning, it was understandable in the early phases for government to take some of the actions. I, not all of them, some of them were draconian from day one. But it was understandable. What wasn't understandable was how long we stuck with that plan. So that's going on here as well. You can't see the picture. I can because I'm looking at it right now. So Kamala, President, excuse me, Vice President Kamala Harris. Biden thinks she's the president. 
Biden might think he she's his wife. I, he doesn't know who anybody is right now. But she's up here. She's in, and this is important to note, she's in what I'm going to call, and I talked with Oz about this, I'm going to go with Periwinkle. It's a blue. And the reason I'm saying Periwinkle is because my best friend years ago, years ago, he works for a company that provides a car, and he, re, uh, the person that he replaced, right? He he was moved to a new territory. The person he replaced um, had driven a I forget the type of car, but it was what I would call light blue, but it was actually periwinkle, which was very humorous for me to hear my friends say periwinkle. That stuck with me forever. It looks fairly close to the color of Kamala's suit here. So Kamala is wearing a periwinkle blue suit, and she is going to introduce herself. This is the introduction. Keep in mind, th- these these are just little photo ops. These are, you know, the, the, the parts of the presentation, the, the things that government officials do on a regular basis where they want the photo op, they want, you know... I'd say they're smiling faces, but they're wearing masks. That's so we're we're doing virtue signaling here, and you know it's just supposed to be all of the the pomp and circumstance, all of the optic stuff. These are the sorts of things that politicians like to do because no one can really get mad um, at you having you know welcoming a group of people in and you know just saying things that don't kind of like a Miss America pageant. You know how. People want world peace, and everybody claps for it. It sounds so great, so wonderful, and everybody goes about their day, and nothing really substantive happens, but nonetheless, the event goes on. So she's simply introducing herself here. I don't know if you've heard this. This this is fantastic to me. I have been waiting to get behind the microphone to talk about this. Listen, <laughs> listen to how she introduces herself. Now, some of you, this isn't going to be too surprising because you've been to a corporate training or you've seen people on social media who introduce themselves in such a manner. It continues to get crazier and crazier. We add more and more things, not, not just our pronouns, but descriptions of what we're doing at the moment, I guess, of our introduction. So listen to what she <laughs> has to say here this is how she entered this is this is government speak this is corporate speak this is this is not how you talk to normal people this is not what normal people say but then again we've known that uh, known from the beginning that these folks are not normal this is crazy crazy stuff do not let them gaslight you and tell you that you thinking that this is crazy is wrong because you thinking this is crazy is actually a sign of a very uh, healthy perception of reality, yourself, and the world around you. Listen to this stuff. Uh, good afternoon. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. And, um, Did you hear that? So she's literally, I'm Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing, and she, she looks down at her suit, which I love as well. She looks down at her suit, and she says, I'm wearing 
a blue suit. I would maintain it's Periwinkle, Vice President Harris, but nonetheless. But my first question is, how do you even know it's blue? Did you ask the suit how it identified? I. It's interesting, right? She says her name. She says her pronouns, which in some circles is considered the normal way you're supposed to talk to people now. But then she says, I am a woman. I have a question. I just watched, well, I've not seen the documentary, but I've seen lots of clips from the Matt Walsh documentary, What is a Woman? And you've seen some of this. Some of you have seen the documentary. But you've seen some of this nonsense where professors whose entire academic, if you want to call it that, pursuit is gender identity. And Matt Walsh asks, what is a woman? And one of these professors, I don't have this soundbite queued up. I think we played it on here before. He said, well, a woman is someone who identifies as a woman. And Matt Walsh says, what is that? And the professor almost just completely blown away that he would be asked a follow-up question. The professor says, a woman. And Matt Walsh says, well, what is a woman? A woman is a woman, comes the response. And Matt Walsh says something to the effect of, Are you familiar with circular definitions, circular reasoning? Because that's kind of what's happening right here. Then the professor says something to the effect, professor, by the way, this, again, living in a leftist, utopian, crazy world, but the professor, in quote, I'm air quoting it, Seinfeld style here behind the microphone, the professor says, I don't really like, you know, he basically says, I don't like where you're going this. I don't like this idea of truth. In my profession, um, we don't talk in terms like that. We don't talk in terms of absolutes. And pretty much if you can't stop doing that, we're going to have <laughs> have to put an end to this com- conversation. So she identifies herself as a woman. The left cannot identify what a woman is, which is crazy, including, including a Supreme Court justice. Well, well I was going to say a nominee, Supreme Court Justice nominee, who's now a member, a justice on the Supreme Court, the latest leftist to be admitted to the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Congress, Congress approved her nomination. Um, cannot define a woman. Cannot define a woman because she's not a biologist. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris is out here telling us what her pronouns are. That's become acceptable. But Kamala Harris says she's a woman. I would like to see what Kamala Harris says a woman is. Of course, she won't answer that. I guarantee you she will not answer that, at least in any meaningful way. She won't define it. She'll give some answer like a woman is someone who defines themselves as a woman. Um, And then, of course, she refers to her blue suit after taking a close look at it. Um, I didn't see if she had a color palette cheat sheet there like Joe Biden. Joe Biden would have had to have a cheat sheet. Biden would have had to have little blocks of color with the word underneath it. Right? This is blue, Joe. This is red, Joe. Did you hear, by the way, uh, one of his folks that were dealing with his COVID diagnosis um, talking, I think it was Friday. They literally treat him like he's a, a kindergartner or maybe a toddler. So the president ate all of his food. He brought me his plate and he showed it to me. <laughs> if you saw that, I had that soundbite tucked away somewhere. But Kamala had to tell us that she's a woman sitting at a table, again, 
How does she know what a table is? Did she ask the table if it was a table? Did she ask the suit if it was blue? I think it's periwinkle. <sighs> this is the world that we're living in, though. This is this is what happens. Folks, I wake up when we do this show. The, mo- the motivation I have, ultimately, is to help people hear and receive truth. The motivation of people like Kamala Harris and the radical left is, help, is to either redefine or mischaracterize or deny truth. This is what they do each and every day. We do the exact opposite, and it's it's completely obvious for anyone who cares to see it simply by listening to the way that we introduce ourselves when talking to a group of people or talking one-on-one, whatever the case may be. But the world we live in, my friends, is delusional, especially when the left is at the helm. Quick time out. Plenty more to get to today. Sit tight. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So Oz here thinks Kamala is going to get herself in trouble for being so bland on the, Is that the right way to say it? Oz, Oz is nodding. She's too bland on the pronouns. So, she says she at least needs, well, there I am. There I go, maybe misgendering. Although, no, I'm doing it the right way. She said she, she, her. Which I asked Oz during the break, why is it she, if I say she, doesn't it imply her? Can you be she, his? I'm, if that's the case, I mean, this gets wackier by the day. And look, I I fully understand. I want to be clear here. I'm not, if... My my issue is is to there is something okay let's say it this way when God created humanity there was something that defined male and female that well there still is by the way I'm just trying to contrast here my problem I, I acknowledge that people are individuals right and every Everything that's considered masculine, not every male has is strong in that particular masculine area. Um, and everything that makes something female, you know, a woman might not be have a high feminine trait in this particular area or quality or whatever. It, so we're individuals. I mean, we're, but there's something that means maleness and there's something that means femaleness, right? I mean, a general idea. If there's not... First of all, what what did God create when he made them male and female? If there's nothing, what what do those what is what's trying what are we trying to communicate or what was God trying to communicate if there is no difference between male and female? Which that's that used to be what we were told. There's no difference. Male and male and female, men and women can do everything the same. Now we're being told, "No, no, no. Everything's different. Even if you're a female, there's so many differences that we got to come up with 47 letters and a couple digits in this L this is literally the full acronym so far as I can tell today LGBT and I'm not making this up I'm not trying to be funny here this is what they've come up with LGBT QQ IP 2S which I love being dropped in there AA and it stands for let I'm not making lesbian gay bisexual transgender questioning Queer, intersex, pansexual, two-spirit, that's where the 2S comes from, androgynous, and asexual. 
And so, I mean, we we have blown the top off of this in the sense of this this group of marginalized people has become just anything and everything. I mean, there's people who think that they're animals now. I told Oz we probably need to add a letter. I thought it would be A, so maybe it could end with three A's, but I don't I don't know. I technically don't know what two spirit is. Is two spirit an animal spirit as well? So I want to be careful here. I look, th- this is this is not normal way of thinking. Right? This is this is not this sort of stuff, the way that we have um approach this and identifying our pronouns and this whole thing this is not normal and to 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 say that or to believe that doesn't make you I don't hate people who who have questions about these things that is a hundred percent not the case but I would be I would be doing a major disservice I think actually I'm certain if I just acted like this was normal. Folks, this this leads to confusion. If you want to know why people don't want this taught in their to their young kids, I know you you know why. But if someone's tuning in and really doesn't know why, it's because it's totally, absolutely, overwhelmingly confusion, confusing. I don't know anyone who could I, to, that could define every one of these terms, at least without pausing for a moment, um, and explain them in a way that would make sense to the to the average person. That whole list of that whole acronym, all those terms, how to differentiate, etc. Um, well, there's also one that's ally, where you can be. I don't want to. Well, I don't know how to even say it. Someone who's not any of those things, but is a friend of these people. I'm a friend of these people, but I don't want to say. In order to be a friend, if you have to to normalize this and say that these are that these are good things, or that these uh, these things are, I don't know that 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 there's this obsession with discussing this at every turn. With third graders and kindergartners, I just I don't that there's nothing there's nothing good and wholesome about that. I mean, we have three children. When they were kindergarten, first, second, third, we didn't go around talking about their heterosexuality. I just this is just way too much. This is confusing. The average person, I'm telling you, you know this, cannot make sense of this whole thing. And it's now how we are supposed to engage in conversation. And if you mess it up, even if you're trying to be respectful, if you mess it up in front of the wrong person, you're going to be deemed as a hater. And folks, it's just too much. It's too much for an average person to be able to comprehend. I don't know if I've said this on this program or if I was talking to someone else, but I don't, there's a lot of things I don't get about this, but what they, them, I, I was talking to someone, a couple, a, a, few, a small group about this. So now, not only are we supposed to believe someone who's bio, biologically a male can become female, now we're supposed to also believe that, I mean, the whole they them thing. What does that even? What does that even mean? Does that mean the person doesn't identify with one particular gender? So 
they, them avoids the he, she thing? Well, the problem is when I would write a paper in college, if you, if you want to be accurate and if you use the word they, but it was, you were talking about a singular person, the professor would say, why are you writing they? That's one person, right? He or she. Now they're asking us to not only ignore all these other things that are obvious as far as gender identity goes, they're also asking us to use plural terms when addressing an individual. And I mean, look, I just this is this is not this is not normal. You don't have to fit into one box. We're all different human beings with different personality styles and different, you know, degrees of masculine or feminine traits or whatever. I mean, but but to say to say that if there's a slight difference between a couple of men who are masculine and one therefore has to be something else altogether, we've just really confused everything. There are male and female, and then there are individuals who have as many personalities and differences as personalities can allow, which is virtually infinite, right? Some would somewhat question that, but a very, very large number. We're, we're individuals. We have our own likes, dislikes, personality styles, um, you know, masculinity, whatever. Certain certain things that are more masculine or less masculine about men, certain men, different men, whatever. Um, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we've ceased to be male and female. And I don't this this taking this takes meaning out of things. This confuses things. This deliberately takes away the order, I think that the universe was created to have. And I think it's much it's much more reasonable. It's it's it is reasonable to simply look at things that way. There are, there are things that are masculine, things that are feminine. There's individuals, they have preferences, likes, dislikes, whatever. And I don't hate someone if they're not they don't fit into a certain box. But to say that this is a normal thing and that we're going to have to begin to act like this and communicate like this is just way too much for the average person to comprehend and to and to manage and to deal with. I mean, I think about people who are more seasoned citizens. There's no way in the world that they can even understand what people who talk like this mean half the time. I need a glossary. I really do. I mean, even reading that acronym... I'd have to look up what some of these words mean that I'm just supposed to apparently know and say that it's, you know, everything's equally good. Well, I don't I don't agree with that. I don't hate people who disagree with my assessment, but I certainly don't think that everything that we choose to be in whatever arena of life is morally equivalent to every other option. I just I that's obvious. And we've got to be able to, uh, you know, to, to say those things without fear of some massive repercussions or whatever. Anyway, but that's how common the vice president now is introducing herself. Oz thinks she needs to 
get a little bit more woke with the current use of pronouns. So maybe she does need to take that under consideration. But the good thing is these things are fluid, so you can change them whenever you want. Anyway, quick time out is in order, my friends. You're listening here to the Home of Conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So let's shift gears and talk a little bit, a little bit about the January 6th commission. I've talked enough about Kamala today, regardless of her pronouns. Um, you may have remembered, well, a couple things here. Brit, Brit Hume, Brit Hume may be the only person in journalism, this may be a little bit of a hyperbole here, there's someone else out there, but as it currently stands in general, Brit Hume and maybe a select few others, a couple of others, are the only people that have any sort of credibility or brain whatsoever about this January 6th situation. Brit Hume um, basically came on, I don't know what he was on, um, it looks like with Brit, uh, with Brett Bear. And I think this was last, last, or no, it was Tuesday, or excuse me, Monday night. I got my days all mixed up here. But, um, Britt Hume was talking about the January, about the January 6th commission, about the things that had, you know, transpired, and really about the show trial. The January 6th show trial, which is run by a bunch of leftist, radical leftist Democrats, and the Republicans in name only, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. And so we have this whole production. We have this whole production that is, in the words of what uh, Britt Hume said, there's no opportunity for the target to defend or put forth a defense. There's no cross-examination of witnesses. How do you respond to that criticism? So um, that is effectively effectively the, the problem here is that we the, – the hearing – again, what they're trying to do is make it look like it's a legal proceeding. It's political proceeding. Now – when it suits them at certain times, they want you to think it's political or uh, legal. At other times, they want you to think it's political. But the point of this is clearly one-sided. Everybody on that committee hates Donald Trump openly, openly hates Donald Trump. I don't know if you've ever served on a jury before, if you've been in a courtroom, if you're an attorney, a judge. That's really not allowed. If you had 12 people on a jury who said, oh, I know this guy, I hate this guy, you know, whatever he's been accused of, he's done. If that's your starting point, guess what? You don't get on the jury, jury, and rightfully so. Now, I can hear the left now, well, Todd, this isn't a criminal proceeding. Okay, then make it known. This is political. This is political. This is political. Political. Let's make sure that we make that known. Thus, in fact, let's start every one of these fantasy hearings with that proclamation. Hear ye, hear ye, those who are listening to my voice today. The hearing you are about to listen to and take part of is a political process. It is a 
political act of theater. We want you to keep that in mind as you watch throughout its duration. Remember, these same Congress people are the folks who, at some level, at some level, well, government in general, is responsible for things like tags on hair dryers, don't get in the bathtub and plug this hair dryer in sort of thing. So if we have to be told not to do those sorts of things because government thinks we're too stupid, then maybe every before every congressperson speaks at this hearing, they should say, hear ye, hear ye. The questions I am about to give to the witness are purely political in nature. The things that we are embarking upon have a political purpose and have no legal purpose whatsoever. Now, granted, if you are sworn in as a witness and you tell us things that are uh, and you commit perjury, you can you can be in trouble for that. Charges can can follow. Um, but in general, this is a political proceeding. If it were a real legal or criminal type proceeding or just something that was in, say that would resemble more of a court, or judicial branch, as I bumped the microphone, judicial branch of government, um, there would be, and I've said this before, there would be uh, someone representing, someone prosecuting, someone making the case, someone defending the person that was being prosecuted, and then there would be an impartial group of people. What we have is a very partial, a very biased group of people sitting there pretending to be judge, jury, prosecution, and defense. Of course, the only one that they're really trying to be is prosecution. That's their whole intent of this. They don't want Trump to ever run for president. They want to change the narrative going into the 2022 midterms. There is nothing here. There are There's a memo that says that Trump, uh, the, the government acknowledges that Trump was wanted it to be a safe and peaceful event. Trump said safe and peaceful event from the podium. I spoke with someone even uh, yesterday who was there at the peaceful event uh, on January 6th, and he heard, the, he heard these words, this particular individual. Um, this person didn't do anything remotely close. They were just there, just for the record. But this is a political sideshow, and it looks like Britt Hume, Britt Hume might be um, one of the only only people who seems to understand that this is a one-sided sort of event. Maybe Brett Bear too. Anyway, wanted to share that with you, my friends. A timeout is in order. Quick timeout. You're listening here at the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. <laughs> talk much about this actually um we're talking about january 6th here in the last segment but this um remember cassidy hutchinson cassidy hutchinson was what on the uh staff to mark meadows she's a uh, she was part of a staffer there and she's the one that actually was testifying before this make-believe commission um, about 
what happened in you know on January sixth, and of course she used hearsay evidence and speculation and everything else. They didn't care because they got some great they got some great uh, narrative from this. They had the narrative that Trump grabbed the steering wheel. Remember this of uh, of one of the vehicles. Now I saw that there were fights on social media about this because. People showed the the big limo, the beast as it's referred to. Uh, there was no way in the world Trump could have reached the steering wheel from the back seat. It's so far to the you know the driver's seat and so forth. Um, but then people said, no, he was actually in one of the SUVs. But of course, uh, if you listen to testimony from Secret Service, they say Trump was in the beast, and also that the things that she, this Cassidy Hutchinson has alleged to have happened, did not happen. So she's out there painting this picture on the stand. Um, and again, she was on, she was Meadows, she was an aide to Meadows. Um, te- so she she testified. She, you know, said a lot of things that have been really debunked. But now, this is in the Federalist.com, says this, in private, Cassidy Hutchinson, Hutchinson, I should say, joked about riot, called J6 committee phony, praised Trump before changing her story. This is by Molly Hemingway and Tristan Justice, uh, dated yesterday, July 26th. So basically, they've gotten some of her text messages and so forth, and the things that she was saying on the stand when you compare and contrast them to the things that she was texting and so forth, something something needs to give here um, in, in a fairly major way. So anyway, this is, again, they got their headline from her. So, I mean, they don't really care at this point because to many people, what they heard first has to be the truth, and the truth is whatever they heard first and what they heard first was that someone in Trump's administration thought that he was going to, I guess, use the car as a as a missile to attack uh, the White House or, the, I guess, the Capitol building or some such thing from the back seat, even though he couldn't reach the steering wheel. But it doesn't matter because it goes in line with what the narrative is. And I also remember the day after her testimony, reading tweets and seeing reactions People saying how much they, you know, how believable she was and all this sort of thing. I, I didn't talk about this because, candidly, um, this whole January 6th thing, to me, I, I've seen everything I need to see. I, I heard Trump's words. I have s- common sense and logic. I saw the memo from the government that said Trump spe- specified that he did not want there to be violence and he wanted it to be a safe and peaceful event. And I don't know what else there has to be to say that there's that this even needs to be investigated. The reason this needs to be investigated is because it is a political performance and sideshow. It is a desperate group of people who are trying to change the narrative in an election year and as well take down the front runner in the Republican Party's nomination process for president of the United States. Nothing scares the left, nothing. And I like DeSantis a lot. DeSantis scares them too, don't misunderstand. Nothing scares them more than Donald J. Trump. Quick time out, my friends. Back in just a minute. 
friends. But as we talk about January 6th, as we talk about January 6th, and I'm out of time today, but again, the headlines and the the things that are being discussed on the other side of this, on the side of the left, the media, that whole group. I mean, even last night I saw here the Justice Department. This is breaking news last night from the New York Times. It's said to have asked witnesses about Donald Trump in its January 6th investigation, suggesting a more aggressive phase. And they act, they're acting as though, I don't have time to explain this idea, but they're acting as though this whole thing is real. It is not real. Now, there may be real consequences, but it's a phony thing. I've got to go. SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care.